1: some boneheaded decisions. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why why did I make that choice? Right? I mean, even when it comes down to eating too much, why did I have that last bite of cheesecake? Like, enough is enough. There gets to a point. The natural man, the fleshly man, with his fleshly desires and his cravings is foolish. The Holy Spirit teaches the spiritual man. And if you want to learn from the Holy Spirit, you have to approach him in the spiritual man. You can't approach him in the flesh. When you come here in the morning and you make preparations, are you preparing your heart to receive truth from God? I mean, when we were in school that was a long time ago for some of us I hated school. I don't see myself ever going back to school ever, ever, ever again, right? But when we did, we prepared for tests. We prepared our homework right? We prepared these things. But when you come to church, you just come in like, well, all right, maybe the God's going to speak to me today. Have you done any work? Yes, God wants to teach you. He wants to tell you how to live. He wants to teach you how to live sanctified. But you have to prepare yourselves. You have to prepare that heart. You have to till that heart. So he says, this natural man, he doesn't understand these things. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, for the message Of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To the natural man, the cross is foolishness. Why would anyone die in my place? Why would anyone love me enough to give his life for me? That makes no sense. It's foolishness to the natural man. But look at this. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. What a difference, right? The difference between those two people, the difference between those who are being saved and those who are perishing is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is teaching, when the Holy Spirit is instructing that individual, it's completely different. Completely different. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher. You, You guys realize that the Scripture, it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all of Scripture was inspired by God. When it says inspired, what it literally means is God breathed. That God breathed the Word. And so if you're here this morning and you're expecting to learn from God's Word, Who better to go to than the Spirit that breathed it into existence in the first place? Now, I say this in all honesty, and those who I pray with, they can attest to this. But my prayer, my prayer is never that you hear my words. My prayer is that you hear the Spirit. I pray this often. Lord, if you'll get more glory by me staying in the back on my knees praying because you want to use somebody else to speak forth your word in power, then I'll stay in the back so that that person can preach. Because you don't need to hear from me. You don't need me to teach you. You need God's spirit to teach you. And God is looking for spirit-led men who will fill that role and teach others. All I want to do is be a spirit-led man. All I want to do is say, God, I, I believe you can use me. And I'm just an empty vessel. I'm just a tongue and a couple of lips that you gave. And you can use these. But I'm not special. Every single one of you have the same thing. And God can use every single one of you the same way if you just say, Lord, I'm willing. The Holy Spirit does the teaching. The Holy Spirit is a teacher, but he's also a guide. He's also a guide. The scripture says this in John 16, 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Like a tour guide. Now, when you guys go on, on vacation or you go on a tour, you stick with that tour guide because you want to get your money's worth, right? Now, if you went on an African safari, anyone ever gone on an African safari? Maybe some people. Yeah, you've been on. Dr. Lou's been on an African safari. That's pretty cool, right? Now, if, if I were to go on an African safari, I'm sticking as close as I can to the guide because my life depends on it. If I lose track of the guide, I'm not going to find water. I'm not going to find food. I'm a white boy. I'm going to die in the sun. That's the truth. Why do we treat God any different? The Spirit wants to guide us. Our life depends on it. Our very existence depends on it. The scripture says this, Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God to be led by the spirit it's like a father holding the hand of a child and walking them to school i want to be led by god like that listen to what the scripture says galatians 5:16 walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh the word in there can be translated with walk with the spirit hand in hand I don't want to run ahead, I don't want to get too far behind, because I want to be safe with the Spirit as the Spirit sanctifies my life, as He sets me apart for some special use, as as the Spirit has big things for me to do, I want to walk with Him every step of the way while He holds my hand. He's my teacher, and He's my guide. So the Holy Spirit gives instruction, but the Holy Spirit also gives satisfaction. Some of us are looking in the wrong places for satisfaction. Listen to what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter three. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy whose temple you are. God's spirit dwells within the believer. That empty, empty, part of you, that empty part within your spirit that you're yearning to have filled can only be filled when the God's spirit dwells within you. In order for that to happen, you have to invite him in. The word dwell there means to tabernacle with, to take up residency within, to make a home 1 Corinthians says that the believer, God's spirit, makes his home within the believer. And in order for that to happen, you have to invite the spirit in. You have to open the door of your heart, and you have to be trusting enough to say, all of the junk and all of the filth that's in here, I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not ashamed about it, because I know you see it anyway. So I'm going to let you come in so you can start cleaning up all of those areas so that I can be sanctified and set apart for your use. That's what he wants to do but he's not gonna force his way in. He's not gonna kick down the door. You have to open the door and say, God, come dwell within me. Amen. Dwell within me. I want you to take up residency here. So he brings satisfaction because with that emptiness, that peace in your, in your spirit that is missing God. It comes and God's spirit dwells in that place. This Holy Spirit also though fills the believer. Ephesians 5.18 says that we shouldn't be drunk with wine but that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled means to fill completely, to bring the cup to its completion, to fill it to where it's at the brink of overflow. That's how God's Spirit wants to fill us. And this filling is not a one-time event. It doesn't just happen one time. This is something you have to keep coming back to over and over again. Now, when God's Spirit comes in and dwells within you, that happens one time. When God takes up residency in your heart, you will never lose that intimacy with God. When he makes you a believer, when he makes you, when he redeems you in that way, when he regenerates you, he comes within, he lives within, you never lose that. But we have to be dependent upon God moment by moment, breath by breath, to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled to overflowing. It's so important you see, there, there are a few roles the Holy Spirit has. The Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is with us. Even before we're believers, the Holy Spirit is with us, wooing us and convicting us and drawing us to Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, takes up residency within us. But there's another role the Holy Spirit fulfills, and that's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit will come upon you Jesus promised, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. That word upon, the word upon, it doesn't just mean inside of, it means all over you. You see the difference? God's spirit dwells within us, but I don't want God's spirit just to dwell within me. I want God's spirit to be all over me. I want his spirit to be plastered all over me. I want to be a walking billboard of God's spirit, and that's what God wants for every single one of us for people to look at us and see God himself, to see when you speak that it's as if God would be speaking through you. When you love, it's as if God would be loving through you. When you faithfully give, it's as if God is giving through you. I want not the spirit to just be in me. I want the spirit to be all over me, washed all over me. And until we're at that place, we won't find satisfaction as believers. So the Holy Spirit gives satisfaction. The Holy Spirit also gives consolation. Consolation. He does this first by offering comfort. Listen to John 14. It says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Pastor Walter touched on this briefly last week. I will give you another helper... That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see those two? Dwells with you, will be in you. Listen to this promise. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit gives consolation through his comfort here. That word helper. Pastor Walter said this. Paraclete, it means a comforter. It means an advocate. It means to come alongside of. It's someone who's there at your side when you need them the most. Do you hear that? In 1977, I was a hu- oh, I'm was Oh, i still a huge basketball fan, but I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. It- There's a Michael Jordan fan right there. Michael Jordan, game five of the finals. He has the flu. The series is tied with the Utah Jazz, two to two. He's sick. They didn't even know if he was going to play. And he goes out there and he drops 38 points, seven rebounds, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, seven rebounds and five assists. But he was exhausted. Scottie Pippen is carrying him off the court because he's so exhausted. Have you ever seen pictures of people on the battlefield and one soldier is carrying another wounded soldier off the field of battle? That's the Holy Spirit for us. He's the one who comes to our aid. He's the one who comes to our assistance when we need him the most. When we've exerted ourselves on the court and we can't move another inch, he comes alongside of us and he helps us and he comforts us and he tells us it's gonna be all right. You can make it to the finish line. He's the one who comes to us when we've exerted ourselves on the field of battle and he says, you're wounded and you're tired and you're in pain, but it's all right. The finish line is just ahead and I'm gonna take you there safely. Amen. He brings consolation and comfort. He comes alongside of us that way. The Holy Spirit is also the one who confirms adoption in us. Galatians chapter four, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son into, our, into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Abba father therefore you're no longer a slave but you're a son and if a son then an heir of god through christ Do you hear that jesus first says i'm not going to leave you orphans is there anyone more vulnerable than an orphan no one to care for them no one to look out for them and now the scripture says paul says in the book of galatians that god has sent forth his spirit into your hearts crying out abba father showing you that you're now a son of god that you're not an orphan there's someone to care for you and look over you and to watch after you that you're not vulnerable that you're not alone that there's someone to come alongside of you romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 16 for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoptions by whom we cry out abba father You receive the spirit of adoption. You see, this is a gift that is there for the taking. It's being extended to you, but you have to do something. You have to get up out of your seat, and you have to approach the throne of God, and you have to say, I receive that in Jesus' name. I receive the spirit as my own. It's a gift that is there. It's extended. It's available for all of you. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes, that's what I need. That's what I want. The Holy Spirit offers freedom. The scripture says this, 2 Corinthians 3:17, now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. There's freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from anger, freedom from unforgiveness. Freedom from bitterness. There is freedom. Where God's spirit is, there is freedom from all of that stuff. they are like shackles and chains that have fallen to the feet. Is God's spirit liberated you to that extent? Has he set you free from those? Because where God's spirit is, there is freedom. And where God's spirit is, there is also peace. Holy Spirit offers peace. Jesus says this in John 14, Peace I leave you, or leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace, the word means an absence of conflict. When everything is in its rightful place. You see, God's Spirit wants you to be satisfied but he wants you to be consoled as well. He wants to bring consolation into your life. He wants you to be comforted. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to know you're a son, and he wants you to find peace, that time when everything in your life is in its rightful place, and you cannot experience peace until you give God, the Holy Spirit, your heart completely. Amen. If you're trying to find peace in your retirement plan, if you're trying to find peace and a better job, if you're trying to find peace in the stock market, if you're trying to find peace anywhere other than in the presence of God, you will only be disappointed. But God's spirit says, I I, want to bring you peace. Jesus says, I'm going to go to the Father so that I can give you peace. I want to bless you with peace. I want to pour peace all over you. God's spirit is amazing, is it not? Now God's, Holy Spirit also has a role in our commission. And what I mean by commission is I mean the work that he's called each of us to do. And make no mistake, every single one of us has been called to an amazing work. When Jesus was about to ascend to heaven, he told his disciples to go, therefore, into all the world, baptizing and, and discipling and preaching the good news He sent them out, but he had told them. He had given them a promise. And he said this in Luke 24. He said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. I will send it, but you tarry, you wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from upon high. You see, the Great Commission was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. They could not go and change the world and do amazing works for God until God's Spirit had come upon them. Till God's Holy Spirit was all over them, they didn't have what they needed to change the world. But when God's Spirit came upon them, everything changed. Everything changed. This was the promise of Jesus, and I've said this often. I've quoted this text often, and, and I'll continue to quote it often because this is one of the most encouraging texts in all of Scripture to me. John 14. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me... The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. If you skip down to verse 16, it says, And I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Did you hear that? God's Spirit is going to do greater things through you than what happened when Jesus walked the earth. Let's think about that for a second. Because was there ever a blind person that Jesus was unable to heal? Was there ever someone who was deaf that Jesus didn't unstop their ears? Was there someone that was struggling with paralysis that he didn't raise? Jesus even raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. That's what Jesus was doing when he was here. And Jesus says, greater works than these you'll do because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Now, that kind of power, that kind of amazing thing is not happening in the church today because we are not dependent upon the Spirit. We've lost the Spirit in the church. You see, God's Spirit is only going to fall upon us in response to our desperation. The disciples, they had no other option, they were desperate for 50 days. 50 days, Jesus had been gone, and they were scared, they were running, the authorities were looking for believers, they were being imprisoned and beaten, and so there they were gathered together in an upper room, any that they could find, and they were praying in unity of the Spirit, and when they were praying in unity of the Spirit, when they were desperate, God's Spirit falls upon them, and then the church breaks forth across the world. Thousands of people being saved. The disciples walking through the streets and their shadows touching people and their people are being healed as their shadow touched them. That's amazing, but that's not happening today because we're not desperate for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will fall when we stop playing in plan B's. There can be no plan B. We can only have one option. And the only way that we can have power, the power that's needed to change the world, is when we're desperate for God's spirit to fall. When we say to God, there is no other option. I have no other choice. There's no other way that I can be used than if you come and you dwell within this empty person and you take this empty vessel and you empty myself out into these people. When you come to God with that kind of desperation, he falls, just like he did on Pentecost. And the world was changed. The world was never the same. Are you desperate for God like that? See, this morning, the Holy Spirit is looking for devotion. He's looking for devotion. Jesus had this encounter with a woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. She says, I want to know where to worship. My fathers say we're supposed to worship over here on Mount Gerizim. You guys say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. I don't know where to go worship. Jesus says this, I don't really care where you worship. That's not the point, he says. The point is this, John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. The hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God isn't concerned about rules or regulations. He's not concerned about what time you worship, what song you sing, what church you go to, what day you worship on. What he's concerned with is, is your spirit there? Are you genuine, spirit and in truth? Are you really there with all that you have? The scripture says that God is seeking out those who will worship him that way. The God, just the way that we should seek after God with our hearts, that we should desire for him, God is seeking us out. He's seeking out an individual that comes in desperation and utter devotion and says, God, you are what I want. I want nothing else. God is seeking for those people who will cry out to him in that way. Back to our verse in Titus chapter three. The scripture says that God, he regenerates us. He renews us. He does that by the pouring out of his spirit, by the lavishing upon us his spirit. God wants to lavish you, pour out upon you abundantly his spirit today, but will you receive it? It's one thing for us to seek after God. It's a whole whole thing for God to seek after us and the scripture says God is seeking after you if you're desiring that outpouring if you're truly desiring that filling if you're truly desiring desperately to see him move God will show up and he will do an amazing thing so my friends my question for you this morning is do you want to see God do you want to see God move remember God yeah he's the spirit we have a relationship with him But God wants to move not only in work, not only in your life, but he wants to move and work through your life. Do you want to allow him to work through you? Because if you desire that, if you desire to partner in the works of God, not just watch or be a spectator. If you desire to participate in God's work, the work of the Holy Spirit, he desires to use you. So my invitation to you this morning is just to come forward to the altar if you want a fresh filling of his spirit. Raise your hands to God. Fall on your knees. Cry out in desperation and say, just like the spirit fell on Pentecost, Lord, I desire your spirit in me because I want you to use me to change this world.